Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This episode deals with serious and distressing content. Listener discretion is advised. And he just looked at me and he didn't say anything. And he just cut my throat. Good evening and welcome to 7 News. A Perth grandmother has survived an unimaginable 24-hour ordeal in her home where she was held captive and had her throat slashed. The man who attacked Rachel Godsell was the man she loved, her long-term partner. This is How I Survived. Stories of everyday people and how they survived against the odds. I'm your host, Beth Young. You know, am I going to die or what? I mean, I, I look back at it now and I thought, you know, how did I ever survive that? I think that I probably survived for a reason. How I survived. The moment Rachel Godsell laid eyes on Brad Peterson, she knew he was a keeper. They'd met online on a dating site and clicked instantly. A cleaner in the mines, Rachel worked two weeks on, one week off. But Brad knew exactly what that was like. He worked in the mines too. Brad gave the best hugs. In his arms, Rachel felt safe, secure and loved. They were the perfect couple. But Brad had a fierce, jealous streak. Brad was big. He was six foot, built like a brick shit house. <laughs> his eyes... There was something about his eyes, and he had a pretty smile. He had a gorgeous smile. He could be very controlling and dominant, but when he was happy, things were really good. We were really good. Sometimes I had to be careful on what I said or how I'd react to things because that would get him going, but other than that, when we had fun, we had fun. He had a great sense of humour and we got on like a house on fire. He was always joking around and, and I was the same. That's what he liked about me. He liked my humour and just that I was easygoing and could talk to anybody. Yeah. The first time was stuff happened was probably three months into the relationship. We had gone to the pub and... A bloke had asked me to have a game of pool and the bloke said to Brad, oh, you know, can I give your missus a game of pool? And Brad just looked at me and he was like, yeah, whatever, mate. And I was like, yeah, cool, as I'll give you a game of pool. Nothing in it, it's just a game of pool. And Brad stormed off and got in my car and sat out in the car park and just revved the hell out of my car. So then I just quickly finished the game of pool and got in the car and kind of said to him, you know, what's your problem? And then we argued all the way home. Got back to his place and 
I turned around and that was when he backhanded me and gave me a black eye. That was the first time. The physical abuse happened a couple of times. It was more mental, like he'd, he would corner me and just yell and scream at me or spit at me or put me down and tell me I was nothing but a whore. Um, why couldn't I be honest with him and just tell him the truth? Just his insecurities. He'd always think, you know, being on the mines, a woman working on the mines, you know, she's up there, 3,000 men, one woman, outgoing, you know, seriously, what are you up to? Rachel never looked twice at another man. She just wanted to be with Brad. But last October, after nine years of emotional abuse, she decided enough was enough. Breaking it off while she was still at work, when her two-week stint was up, Rachel flew back in and caught a taxi home. And all of a sudden, Brad's in my car in front of me. When I was sitting in the Uber, it was like he must have been at the airport and was watching because he thinks I was up to no good. And I got home and he'd already pulled up the driveway and come inside and he goes, so that's it, is it? And I went, yeah, I'm not doing this, I can't do this. And then we started yelling and screaming at each other and I gave him a suitcase and I said, look, here's your suitcase, how about you just go? Seriously, I've done this for nine years and I'm not doing it anymore, you're not going to change. You don't trust me, so what's the point? And then I could see him getting really angry and I tried to make a run through the front door, but he'd locked it and I couldn't get out. And then I walked back into the lounge and that's when he smacked me in the mouth and I fell on the couch and I felt like he'd dislocated my jaw. And I couldn't, I just stood there trying to talk like, what have you done? And he goes, get up and get in the spare room. And I was like, why? And he goes, cause, and he pulled all the curtains and that in the house and closed the windows. And I got in the spare room, and he made me sit on the floor. He put a mattress up against the window. I said to him, what are you doing? He goes, just sit there. And then he came back in and he had a backpack. And he opened up the backpack and he pulled out some cable ties and he tied my hands up. He tied them in front of me to start off with. It was like, it was cutting off my circulation. I said, Brad, these are too tight, what are you doing? So he cut it and then he tied my hands behind my back and then cable tied my feet. And then he pulled out a pair of his old work socks and then shoved one in my mouth and then duct tape around my mouth so that I couldn't talk or scream. And then he walked out of the room for about five minutes. I just kind of sat there because I didn't really know what the hell. I thought, you know, am I going to die or what? All I could see was this weight set beside me. All I thought was that he was just going to bang me over the head with the weight set. And then he come back in with this old gooner and he goes, you need to put this around yourself and you need to walk out to the car. And I said, well, I can't walk out to the car. You've tied me up, Brad. I mumbled it, of course. So then he kind of wrapped the doona around me, grabbed my phone, my car keys, and he carried me up to the car and shoved me on the back floor. 
he goes, don't lift your head up, just stay down. And then we just started driving off and I knew we'd stopped at kind of like a roundabout and I tried to lift my head up and then he just said, put your fucking head down on the ground and do not come up, stay there. When Brad finally stopped, yanked Rachel upright and ripped off her gag, she realised with horror that they were in the bush. No one had any idea where they were. And he just said to me, now tell me the fucking truth. I know you're sleeping around on me. And I said, Brad, I'm not sleeping around on you. What the hell are you doing? I said, please don't hurt me. He goes, just fuck up. He said, seriously, just fuck up. I said, Brad, I want to smoke. Can I please have a smoke? So he goes, here, take these first. And he shoved three sleeping pills in my mouth. And then I said to him, what are these? And he goes, they're just sleeping pills. I said, well, what do I need to take them for? He goes, you'll find out, just take them. So he made me swallow the three sleeping pills and then he let me have a smoke. And then he got out of the car and I said, what are you doing? And there was this old washing machine or something beside the car. It was like just where people dump all their shit. And he ripped the hose off it and put it in the exhaust and then opened up the boot and put it through the back speaker of the car. And then he got back in the car and he said, well, I'm not going to jail for 25 years for deprivation of liberty, so we'll both go together. I went, Brad, please don't do this. And I want to see my kids and my granddaughter again. And he turned the car on and let the car run for about 15 minutes and I was coughing and could hardly breathe and I was like, Brad, please let me go. I love you. I only want to be with you. You're the only one. So he let me get out of the car and sit out there. And So then he closed the car door and he sat in the car. And I was just like, Brad, you need to stop. I said, please don't kill yourself. I love you. I just want to be with you. So that went on for about, it felt like forever. It was probably only like, I don't know, he probably sat in there for 10 minutes by himself. And then he opened up the car door and he was like, do you really love me? And I was like, Brad, get it through your head. I've been with you for nine years. I'm not going to leave you. I love you. I said, please just take me home. And he goes, you're not going to call the cops, are you? And I said, well, I can't. I've got my phone. I said, but no, I'm not going to call the cops. Can we just go home? Eventually, Brad relented. He drove Rachel home and let her go to bed. By now, the sleeping tablets had well and truly taken hold and she could barely keep her eyes open. She was falling asleep and she didn't know if she'd ever wake up. But the nightmare was only just beginning. And then I remember waking up and he was standing over the top of me. I don't know what time it was. I know it was dark. And he just said to me, I'm sorry, Rach, because I didn't mean to hurt you. I said, it's okay, Brad, just let me go back to sleep. So then I remember getting up and it was six o'clock in the morning. I got my phone and I went out the back and I had a smoke and I don't know why I didn't leave. I, like, I couldn't run. I was still buggered. I just, there was so much shit going through my head. And then he came out and he goes, what are you doing? I said, having a smoke. I said, I want to go and see Kaya, my daughter. And he was like, can't go and see Kaya. Look at you, you look like shit. I went, yeah, well. I said, Brad, 
I can't do this. And he goes, you told me yesterday that you weren't going to call the cops and that we're going to be together forever. I said, Brad, you tied me up and you took me out. Bush. I said, what the hell? And he said, well, you know, I thought it might have been a bit of a turn on for you. I went, really? So I got up and I walked out the gate and I said to him, can you please just give me my car keys? And he goes, I don't know where they are. And I said, Brad, you had them last night. They were in your back pocket. And he goes, no, I don't know where they are. I said, Brad, please just give me my keys. I want to go and see my daughter. And then he goes, just come inside and have a shower. I'll stay outside. You can lock the door behind you. I'm not going to hurt you. And he was so calm. I just thought, you know, I'll be all right. So I started to walk back in the gate. And then all of a sudden, I know I was on the ground. And then he pulled the black backpack out again. And I was kicking him and everything. And then I seen him grab a knife. And I was like, Brad, what the fuck are you doing? And he just looked at me and he didn't say anything. And he just cut my throat. Just once to start off with. And I was just trying to protect myself and kicking him. And then he did it again. Did it three times. The third time was when he cut it and I could see the blood just squirted everywhere. And I think he thought that, well, he's done it. And he got off the top of me and he walked inside, washed his hands in the tub. And I just got up and held onto the chair and my arm was so hot I could just there was blood everywhere it was up the fridge my dressing gown was covered in it I could feel it running down my arm because he'd cut between my hands as well from me trying to protect myself and I started to walk out the gate and then I was holding onto my throat and I was standing by the tree and then he come out the gate and he just stood there and he looked at me and I said, what have you done? And he didn't say a word. He just got in the car and he drove off. And I walked to the next door neighbours, knocked on her door and she just said, Rach, you need to lie down on the ground. You need to stop talking. She says, I'm just going to go and get it to help. So I lay down on the ground and gave her my phone. And I said, you need to ring my daughter. So she rang my daughter and I was there holding onto this towel on my throat. And then she called the ambulance and that, and they rocked up. And I remember them lifting off the towel and them going, we can't do anything. She's a priority one. She needs to go now. I got to the hospital and I I just remember all the doctors around me and that was it. They said, we're just going to put this mask on your face and that's all I remember. I was in surgery for three and a half hours. He had missed my voice box, so he cut my throat, but just cut through the windpipe. He just nicked it. That's why I could hear air and everything coming out my throat. My daughter was there at the hospital when I woke up. <clears throat> I can't remember if it was 
that night or the next morning, my daughter said, Mum has been an accident. I couldn't talk. Well, I wrote down what. And um, she goes, Brad's been in a car accident. To breaking news, and there's been a fatal accident in Ashenden. Police say two cars and a truck collided on Albany Highway near the junction of Jarradale Road. Officers have confirmed one person died in the crash, which happened about an hour ago. After Brad slashed Rachel's throat and windpipe, he wrote on Facebook, Love is evil, I showed ya. Hours later, in Rachel's car, Brad died in a crash. I said to my daughter, I want to see it. And she goes, no, I don't think you should see it. And then I wrote down in big capital letters on a piece of paper, I said, I want to see the news. So she showed me. I didn't cry or nothing. I just, I couldn't believe that he was actually gone. I don't think I had much emotion because I was lying in a bed and I couldn't talk. I couldn't eat and I just about didn't see my kids again that was all I was thinking how could somebody who said he wouldn't hurt you and that he loved you more than anything had sweet your throat it took probably a good two months for the scar tissue and swelling in that to go down I couldn't yell I couldn't scream I couldn't sing anymore um, but it feels normal now. Emotionally, I don't know, it's all kind of hit me in the last couple of weeks. And then I've got to look in the mirror every day and all I see are these two scars across my neck where I just want to forget that it's even there. You know, sometimes I look at them and I think if only I didn't say that I was leaving. You know, I'd walked out the driveway that day. None of this probably would have happened. This is going to sound really stupid, but I actually miss him. I can't comprehend a lot of it. I miss him. I hate what he does, but I don't hate him. And it's silly because, you know, all my friends go, my God, he was a wanker. How can you not hate him? He almost killed you. I just put it down to that he was sick. I tried to help him. Given everything she's been through, the emotional, the psychological, and of course, the physical scarring, Rachel has this message for others stuck in abusive relationships. They don't change. If it's been going on for years, they don't change. You, you need to get out. Don't tell them you're leaving. Just leave. I've learned that. Most women that say they're leaving are the ones that end up getting hurt the most or killed. Just leave. Just pack up your stuff and go, because you just don't know. You really just don't know. I loved him more than anything. Everything just focused on him. You know, sometimes we're not strong enough to leave because we don't want to be by ourselves. Sometimes we think we can't do it by ourselves, or I'm not going to get anybody else, or, you know, I, I need that person. But you don't. As hard as it is, you can do it by yourself. And you do realise that you're worth a little bit more than being treated like shit. Even if it is just words. I've got another chance to find somebody that is going to treat me nice and see what that, that's actually all about. I want that. And to find me again. If you struggled with the themes in this episode... 
please call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact your local crisis centre. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you don't miss more incredible stories of survival. We'll bring you a new one each week. For more incredible real-life tales, pick up your copy of That's Life or visit thatslife.com.au. Next week on How I Survived. All of a sudden, I felt a slight pull on my ponytail. I put my hand on my head and all I could feel was basically my skull. I was completely scalped. How I Survived. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.